0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm very excited because just a few days from now, I will be meeting Smoke Monster at a video game con in New Jersey, and we'll both be doing panels there. My panel is Saturday the 7th at 6.45 p.m., titled Getting the Best Out of Your Classic Consoles at Any Price Point. And it's pretty much the same thing that I've been doing, but hopefully tweaked and getting better each time. And it's something that I would recommend to anybody, really, uh, anybody that's even slightly interested in this, including experts, because even though experts will know everything I'm going to say, maybe you'll learn a cool new way to tell it to your non-expert friends. I don't know. Uh, But I really hope to see a lot of you there. I I really get excited for these panels, and I enjoy doing them. And so far, they've all been great. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed it'll continue that way. And also, Smoke monster will be hosting a panel Sunday the eighth the next day at one thirty PM talking about FPGA stuff. So I'm very excited for the whole show. I'll be there pretty much all day, both days. I'm not sure if I'll be able to stay all the way to the end on Sunday, but Definitely you know, tweet at me. If you see me, come over and say hi. Uh, I really love meeting people, and uh, it's going to be great to see Smoke Monster. Hopefully we'll have a, a bunch of other people from the New York crew down there hanging out. Uh, just, uh, It's going to be a fun one, so I hope to see everybody there. First up, I am very happy and proud to share the first ever Retro RGB Writers Podcast with everyone. This was just a few of the writers and I sat down and talked about you know, our favorite articles, video game related stuff, just basically a laid back way to get to know the people that are writing all the articles on the site. Because that's certainly something I've learned over the years when reading other popular blogs, is it very often for me comes down to who's writing the blog on how I'm going to interpret it. And I mean that in a very positive way, by the way. So it's, you know, there's certainly people who give advice that it's like, oh, you know, I'm not really sure if that's for me. But knowing who it's coming from, it's like, oh, yeah, well, if so and so says it, then I'm sure I would like it too because we have similar tastes or even you know i guess even the opposite i have a few friends that just don't like the same games as i do uh, and when they talk about one they like i respectfully know to probably stay away from it but it's uh it's just i don't know it was very fun that's something that i would like to do at least a few times a year hopefully we could just do it quarterly or something Um, and i'd also just like to introduce pretty much everybody that's been working on this website since it since the beginning Um, the only behind the scenes person who's been in front of the camera a bunch of times was my cousin Scott and uh, hopefully his life will get less hectic soon so that we could uh, get him back on and do another just catch up podcast with him and everything but other than Scott I really haven't had the opportunity to to talk very much with many of the people that do a lot of work behind the scenes and without them I mean the site just wouldn't exist anymore so we're going to keep doing these Um, thanks very much for all the wonderful comments and for everybody who watched and listened of course obviously anything podcast style i assume more people are going to listen than watch but whatever it's there for anybody interested um and yeah we're definitely going to keep doing these and thanks very much for for reading for listening and for participating in all of these Next up, Smoke Monster posted an absolutely excellent warning to what to look out for when buying budget arcade power supplies. Um, he specifically this time talked about the HAP power supplies that I own a few of myself, to be honest. And uh, I guess the quality of these has gone down significantly over the years. So people that may have bought these a while back and opened it up and found a very solid piece of equipment, now when you buy them, you might find far from that. And he pointed out some some scary things from. You know, very low-quality capacitors, which, you know, that's unfortunate but to be expected when products are trying to cut corners. But one of the things was um, a PCB that was only connected to their metal housing by a few screws that were piercing the heat sinks. So that's, you know, that's some dangerous stuff right there. Um, I don't I don't really know how any of that would get through QA, but uh, it's a great... It's a great warning for anybody that has these. Um, as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to open up both of mine and see if it looks as bad as these. If it does, I'll probably just throw them out because, you know, I, I hate I hate wasting money. It bugs me. But if you really think about it, what's what's worse, losing like fifty bucks because I threw out two power supplies, or losing a five hundred dollar rare arcade board because the Crappy PSU shorted out and you know blew everything out. So um, it's something that I definitely want to take seriously, and I hope anybody who has these will. And hopefully. We'll find out. Maybe it's just a batch of the newer ones or something. I seriously doubt it. I think once products like this go downhill, they just they get tanked, and then if the company ever brings them back, they they put it, you know make a new model out of it or something. But luckily, at least for the short term, Smoke Monster has found us a replacement power supply for these that still aren't very expensive. Um, the power supply brand is Meanwell, and I believe there's three different models that you could choose from. Um, and of course, they're all linked in the post for anybody interested. But they're not that much more expensive. They're you know $35 versus like 25 or something like that. Or maybe the, the HAP wasn't even that cheap, but still, point is, it's not like you have to spend 100 bucks just to power your arcade, uh, arcade boards. It's still affordable, and uh, I really appreciate articles like this because anytime, anytime you could have better safety when using stuff that's inherently dangerous anyway is always a big plus. Next, I would like to wholeheartedly welcome Rene from DB Electronics as now a contributor and writer to RetroRGB. I'm very excited to see what craziness he posts and if he could break the internet again like he did a few years ago. Uh, but his first post certainly is a doozy. It's helping people calibrate static convergence on a Sony PVM. Um so of course you know his model is a PVM 1944Q so this might not line up exactly with yours but the theory is certainly there on um what is convergence you know what is what does bad convergence look like and then how you could fix it on your CRT. So obviously as i always say treat working on a CRT as if you're playing with fire literally you know i don't want anybody to get ever get hurt but the fact is if you do take caution and do things the right way. You can work on CRTs safely. You just have to be... My best advice is be scared of it at all times because no bad will come of being scared of it. Only bad will come if you're cocky and think you can just play around with it. But overall, it was a, a really great article and it made me wish I had extra crts to just play around with to see if i could practice on one that doesn't matter one of these days i really would like to start just collecting crts but anybody that was looking for a really great way to uh, or a great guide on calibrating convergence please check this one out this uh this came out great I'm very excited to say the Jaguar SD ROM card is finally here and it performs absolutely great. It was totally worth the wait. Um, I just posted a video review of it that walks you through what you need to get started, um, how fast the load times are, and pretty much any other tips. Uh, unlike a lot of other ROM carts that might be out there, this doesn't emulate any kind of audio or video chips. So I didn't really throw any um, any screen captures or video captures into this because it's kind of pointless. It's not like the Mega SD video where I compared different audio to the original. There's kind of just no point. Once the game loads, it performs identical to the original cartridge. So I wanted to keep the uh, the review short just to not waste anybody's time uh overall though it was great the only problems i had were problems with my jaguar and that's just a a very quick reminder to everybody that you know jaguars are very finicky pieces of hardware and they often glitch out so um any of the issues that i had were right when the games loaded or were starting to load uh and once again this is not a result of the jaguar sd this is the same as when i was using original cartridges so definitely keep uh you know keep your jaguar experience uh, realistic here because if if you haven't fully refurbished your jaguar then you might run into the same things I did. Uh, that does bring up a question, though. What does everybody think are the mandatory mods for people who want a good working Jaguar? Um, cleaning out the cartridge slot is always number one. Um, doing a capacitor replacement is something that I'm not sure if it really affects performance, but it can't hurt, especially if you buy the caps from Console 5 and they're really good quality caps that are going to last a long time and you're probably not going to have to worry about it leaking all over the board. So other than those two two what is the thing what are the things that everybody recommends i've heard using a heat gun to uh, reflow the ram chips i've heard just using flux and a soldering pen to or a soldering iron to reflow those same ram chips um, I've heard replacing the cartridge slot is the only way to really, to, to get a, a, a perfect fix out of it, but what's everybody else's experience and what do you suggest? I will do all of that to this Jaguar to hopefully get it working properly and, um, and just have an overall good experience. But if you were in the market for one of these things, definitely pick one up. And if you know how everybody could fix our Jaguars, I'll compile a list of everybody's recommended tweaks and add it to the Jag page. There's now a new firmware update for the PSIO or PSIO. Uh, and it's come with mixed reactions. Some people say that it's uh, it's breaking the compatibility with games that have worked with previous firmwares, and as far as I know, you can't downgrade to older firmwares. So my suggestion would be check out Ronnie's post and see if any of these bug fixes or additions apply to the games that you specifically use and uh, if this would help you out. And if not, maybe leave well enough alone for now. Um, not really sure what to say about that, so... Uh, you know, it does look like they've been putting a ton of work into this firmware though, so hopefully they'll have another follow-up soon that kind of irons everything out. Um, also, uh, you know, I I was trying to find a way to politely address this over the past month or so, but there is a clone out now for, uh, for the PSIO, and as you can imagine, I, I definitely don't recommend or condone using something like that. It you know, Sibden Systems has had a bit of a checkered history uh with customer service, but they're they're seeing they they seem like they're making genuine efforts to get a full stock of this in so that there's no more weight so that people could just buy them from Stone Age gamer so you know we'll we'll wait to see if that actually happens you know I, obviously the invitation is always open if I could help in any way um, but you know I just I hate to see stuff like this get cloned and the clones look ugly the case isn't nearly as nice and they're not really any less expensive so I just I don't see the point of supporting clones for something like this uh, you know it's not I don't know. It's always a mixed, uh, you know, it's always mixed feelings when stuff like this happens. But it's it just bothers me when I see a company like Sibdyne. Uh, I'm sure I'm not even saying the name right, but you know, they're they're trying. They're obviously trying. They're making an effort. Heck, the long list of changes on this firmware alone shows how much effort they've been putting in. So hopefully they'll be able to get stock regular stock of this. Hopefully they'll iron out the rest of their customer service issues. And I do just wish they would get rid of that ridiculous security that you need to download the firmware, but whatever, um, I wish them the best of luck, and I, I hope people don't support the clones for this because you know it's just there's no reason to when they're trying and we could hopefully have stock of this stuff soon. Another firmware update was posted this week, this time for the DCHDMI. Version 4.0 was posted by Kristoff, and one of the biggest additions is that it unifies the standard and relaxed modes. So for people that need more info, check out the link in the post um, for the previous one where this firmware got split. But essentially, there's two different modes that you could run it in. One offers uh, more features and filters, but might not be fully compatible with HDMI spec. So now you could have both modes already loaded on the DC HDMI And now instead of having to re-download a new firmware if you need to switch between the modes, it just reflashes based on the file that's already sitting there. So it's it's more of a convenience thing, but anytime you're able to unify it so you don't have to deal with two different firmwares, I think it's just easier for everybody. So very awesome addition. Thanks to Christoph for that. And there's a few extra things that may or may not be relevant to people's setups. Uh, I think the one thing that stands out also is now you could use the Dreamcast keyboard to control the DC HDMI. So anybody playing Typing of the Dead that needs to change some settings doesn't need to have a different controller plugged in to do so. Uh, So as always, thanks so much for the continued support on a product many of us already own. It's just, uh, I I always am very appreciative when I've bought something and down the line I get a free update that adds more functionality and more awesomeness. It's just, I always feel like that's a great bonus. So thanks so much to Dan and Kristoff for making this and continuing to support it. Uh, And of course, if you would like to buy one for yourself, the links are there for that as well. There's been not one, but two updates this week to Professor Abrasive's Sega Saturn Optical Drive Emulator project. For people who aren't familiar, this is a device that requires no modding whatsoever. You just plug it in the back of any region Sega Saturn, and you could play any region ROMs on it. Um, The first update is that he's been working the past few months on manufacturing test hardware which it's one of those things that's so not exciting to talk about but so crucially important um you know in order for things to move smoothly down an assembly line you can't expect people to plug this into a saturn go through all the menu options play through a couple of games it's just not feasible so having test hardware which you could just plug this in it goes through a series of automatic tests and gets a pass or fail uh, everybody kind of wins you know manufacturing costs go down there's less of a chance of any of us getting a doa product so i'm really happy to hear that he's spending the time to work on that i don't know many other people in the retro gaming world that do i know hd Retrovision does because i've shown their test hardware before on some of these videos but it's something that You know, it's a lot of time and effort and money to make these things, but it does kind of guarantee a a better chance of products coming down the assembly line without problems. So uh, props to him for going through the trouble it takes to do that. The second update he posted was that large SD cards will work. He has confirmed a one terabyte card worked for him. Um, And the only question is, will he be able to implement EX fat support or will you still have to just use FAT32 formatting? Um, the very next section that I talk about will explain what all of those things are. So just table that for a moment. Uh, and just what you need to take away from this is that any SD card will work in this product. So you could probably put the whole Sega Saturn library on one card and have it all on your Saturn. Um one thing I did want to mention, uh, a lot of people have been expressing their concern about lack of updates. Uh, it's my personal opinion that when I decide to support somebody on a service like Patreon or Subscribestar, I do so supporting that person, not so much the project. Um, so I, I support at a lower tier level. I wish I was rich and I could give everybody a shitload of money. But, you know, so for me, it's I'm totally okay with all of this. I wish there was more updates just because I... I always interested in projects like this but I'm you know I'm here to support and I'm going to continue to support Professor Abrasive after I mean as long as he has a Patreon open I'll continue to support because you know it's just I'm really happy to see these products come to life and without some help it's just impossible to do it but I do understand the other side I do understand people who have you know, supported at a much higher tier since the very beginning, Uh, I imagine they would be upset wondering, like, what's going on? I'm not hearing anything. You know, is this going to die like some of the other projects that are out there? So I just wanted to mention, I did reach out to Professor Abrasive. I hope he's not pissed at me for my harsh post about this, Uh, but I obviously did it all with love and respect. Um, You know, I haven't quite heard back yet, but he's a busy person, and I I just, my gut feeling really tells me that everything's going to come out fine. We're all going to end up with the product exactly as we had hoped. It's probably taking a lot longer than other people, or than most people would have hoped, but... You know, I've been spectacularly wrong about this before, but I think my track record uh, has allowed me to earn the right to say that I my gut feeling says we'll all be fine and get a good product. We might just need to wait a little longer. So, if uh, you support this project and you have any concerns, definitely reach out to Professor Abrasive right on Patreon. Um, every interaction with him I've ever had has been very friendly. So don't you know don't hesitate if you have concerns. But honestly, I think I, I think this is all going to be over relatively soon and we're going to get exactly what we had hoped for. I sure as heck am excited for it. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, on to the next post, which explains the SD card stuff. I just posted a guide on how to format all SD cards, regardless of size, to work with ROM carts or any of the stuff that we often use in the retro gaming world. Now, normally I wouldn't uh, treat this as a news post, but it seems to be very relevant lately, and I've gotten a lot of questions about this from people who are just getting into optical drive emulators and stuff like that. Basically, times where you would really need a larger SD card. So the, the basic theory is this. Um, Anytime you see a device that says it's compatible with an SD card or micro SD card up to 32 gigabytes, what it usually means, and in fact in every scenario that I've found, what that means is it's only compatible with FAT32 file systems and nothing else. And the FAT32 format utility built into Windows only formats up to 32 gigabytes that way. So, just by downloading two free programs, you could completely get around this. Um, I always start out with SD Formatter, and to be honest, I do this with even. Even smaller cards, just because SD Formatter does a great job clearing everything out. So, anybody who uses things like Raspberry Pi images or the OSSC, this will clean out all of those extra partitions and just get you, you know, your basic SD card back to scratch. So, I run this uh, ever since a, a Windows update, a, you know, a year ago, I always have to run SD Formatter twice. I run it once, I get an error. And then I run, uh, you gotta clear out the volume label because it puts some gibberish in there. You run it again, and everything's fine. So, as long as you, you know, quick format, uh, format size adjustment on, um, this should just be a, a very quick 10 second thing, even if you have to do it twice. And that kind of resets the SD card back to normal, um, regardless of where it came from. And then the second thing you have to do is format with specifically the FAT32 format tool, which I link to. You can't use the built-in Windows GUI for this or it just won't let you do that. So that'll put any card, regardless of the size, uh, into or little format, any card with the FAT32 file format and not any of the rest, and thereby making large cards compatible with other things. Um, I think the reason a lot of these... uh, you. uh, a lot of these ROM cards and everything else don't support other file systems is because you have to pay for a license for EXFAT or NTFS. And in most cases, it just doesn't really matter. You know, you, you wouldn't need that. All you would need to do is format this way and no you know or in the cases of most rom cards you wouldn't need uh, cards over 32 gigabytes anyway so it's only really starting to become an issue now with optical drive emulation and the only limitation of fat 32 that that's at least relevant to us is that you can't have files that are larger than four gigabytes so this should bring us all the way through the you know dvd image era so anything before that um should be fine, or I guess if there's ever an optical drive emulator for the PS2, as long as it's a game under four gigabytes, um, you should be fine. So uh, I would recommend this to anybody using any SD card. I've tested it with all of my ROM cards, and this just seems to make all larger cards compatible. Uh, and you know, hopefully that this will work for other people. So uh, I just wanted to spend a few minutes talking about it here. I wanted to post it as a news article and hopefully this will help people out uh, and point people in the right direction. Cause this is not just gaming related. I see this question posted all over the internet and I was really hoping to clarify it. So anybody who wants to use a larger SD card, just check this out and you should be fine. Renee just posted another article on how to get started with the Teensy Arduino boards. And the example that he used was how to flash it to emulate the Sega Master System or Genesis PSG sound chip. So if anybody was looking to get started in these and wanted a fun retro gaming related way of jumping in, definitely check this one out. Um, I know he's used the Teensy board uh, for some of his other projects, like, obviously, the Teensy cartridge dumper. So, um, you know, if it's something that you're looking to get into, it looks like that this sounds like a very fun way to get started. 8 has just released two more do-it-yourself Bluetooth controller upgrade kits. These are kits where, essentially, you take out the guts of an original OEM controller, uh, put in theirs, and now it turns it into a Bluetooth controller compatible with their receivers, and this time it's for the smaller uh, second version of the Sega Saturn controller, which many people view as one of the best controllers ever made. And the other one that they just released was a kit for the Nest Dogbone style controller. Um, you know, it's my opinion and just an opinion, so don't get too pissed, but I don't like using Bluetooth with classic consoles. I just um I think the classic consoles are designed with zero controller lag and zero added video lag on at the end. Um and I just I try to keep the lag down to zero, otherwise it's not quite the same. But if you're looking to use a Saturn controller on a modern computer or the Nintendo Switch or something, uh that's perfectly great and to be honest i i even use 8-bit 2 controllers as my prime primary controllers on the switch so um i do agree wholeheartedly with ronnie though if you're going to uh if you're going to add this kit to your controller maybe buy one of those retro bit saturn controllers and try adding it to that um you know there's everybody's you know do whatever you want with your own stuff but i just see things like this um I, I, not really being the right thing to use an original OEM controller. I think it would be different if it was RF, like if Cricks did something like this where he just sold uh, the board only for a Saturn controller and a receiver. Yeah, absolutely. But even if you do decide to do this on your controller, it's a no-cut mod. You could completely reverse it and put it right back to stock as long as you save the parts and everything. So either way, it's a cool product and I'm glad 8BitDo is doing stuff like this. I just really wish somebody, Cricks maybe hopefully would release more 2.4 gigahertz wireless controllers for different consoles that way you could have essentially no lag i think uh, i believe the Crix controller was one millisecond on average so it's uh you know certainly less than a frame and perfectly good to game with i just hope more people would concentrate on that but i do understand that the market's bigger for bluetooth controllers so i'm sure from a business point of view a bito is doing the right thing SNK has just announced a Neo Geo arcade stick with not really much information other than a picture. Uh, it basically, it's an arcade stick that's shaped kind of like the Neo Geo CD controller, but obviously a full-sized stick with eight buttons. Um, I guess it's probably a USB-based stick uh, that would work with the Neo Geo Mini um, and pro- probably other consoles as well, but I, I just I always uh, step back and kind of hesitate when I hear things like this because while it seems like a very cool collector's item that if I had room, I would probably buy all this stuff, uh, I've recently gotten into higher end arcade sticks. Um, I have a Vuelix that I absolutely love. And it just it would be hard for me to go to anything that's not for lack of a better term, that's not pro level. And you don't have to be a pro gamer to appreciate pro equipment. The best way I could possibly explain this is I have an arcade stick that I I love. I still use. I just use it for other things now. But, you know, I used it for months and really, really liked it. It was comfortable. I thought it was perfect. And then I brought home a Ulix plugged it in, and got farther in MK1, my favorite fighting game, on one you know on one shot, on one quarter, than I had ever gotten on that other stick. And that's just like a very silly but real-world explanation of what it might be like if you're used to good sticks and you try to game with something else. So let's all cross our fingers and hope that SNK is putting out a really high-end, affordable arcade stick that we could all use. But... My my gut tells me it's just going to be a collector's item that, you know, kind of like the Neo Geo Mini. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope they prove me wrong and it turns out to be real awesome. But I guess we'll see. In the past month or so, both Intel and NVIDIA have announced some sort of integer scaling options for certain GPUs. So Intel just released a beta driver for Ice Lake Generation 11 GPUs, the newest ones, and they're calling their integer scaling retro scaling. And then NVIDIA has just released it on their Turing series graphics cards, which I believe are mostly the newer ones. I don't know if it's just 2019 cards, but it's uh, it's certainly the the newer models, I guess. And to be honest, I haven't had time to test it out yet, but I'd really love to put together even just a short couple-minute video showing how the performance is and showing the difference and what you could really do with it. So uh, if you have any cards that are compatible, maybe give it a try and certainly post if you have time and let me know what your experience was. But hopefully I can put out some kind of quick video in the next few weeks just showing what it's like and, and where you could really get advantages from it in retro gaming. Another great firmware update this week. Marcus has just released version 0.84 firmware for the OSSC that focuses on tweaking and compatibility. So there's a few features that are hopefully adding compatibility for things like AVRs with pass-through modes and stuff like that. Um, And there's also ways to to fine-tune each profile even more than there was before. Uh, And that will come in handy. I'm going to try not to rant about this, but basically there are some consoles that have odd numbers for when you're trying to dial in the perfect settings. So like 427.5 instead of just 427 or 428. So having more fine-tuning modes can really dial in a better setting like that and have the potential for a slightly sharper image. Um, I spoke to Firebrand X about this, and he said he was going to be working on these profiles whenever time allowed um, and would post both the settings as well as uh, a way to put profiles on an SD card. So I'm very excited to try that out. Um, I still use a mixture of direct RGB capture and the OSSC when I'm doing captures these days, depending on the use case and what I'm, you know, what I'm doing with them. So, uh, you know, any way that you could tweak a device you already own to be even better is freaking awesome, and thanks so much to Marcus for continuing to put out all these awesome updates. A group of people on the Atari Age forums have been hacking the Atari Jaguar version of Doom to improve it and enhance it. The original version of the game didn't have any music at all, and they've added the music back to all of the levels, as well as some other assets that were missing, but they're in the PC version. And this was a tremendous amount of work, and to be honest, it were things that rumors over the years said couldn't be done. I remember at some point or another reading a rumor that said the Jaguar version didn't have music because it wasn't able to be, or wasn't fast enough or something like that, but um, regardless of what rumors we used to hear... This is obviously not true because they've done it. So once again, members of the community have come back and finished things that other people haven't been able to. So I'm very, very excited to try this out. There is no beta version available for people to test, so we'll just have to wait for them to, to release the beta version. But perfect excuse to uh, to take out the brand new Atari Jaguar SD-ROM cart and uh, and try this new ROM hack on it. The other thing I keep forgetting to try is the hacked version of um, that racing game, Checkered Flag with the worst controls of any game ever I remember years ago somebody hacked the controls to not stink as much so I gotta try that again as well but I think I'm looking more forward to playing Doom on the Jaguar with music than I am on the other game Well, that's it for this week. Once again, thanks so much to everybody who watches and listens and participates in these. And also, I'm really looking forward to meeting as many people as I can this weekend at a video game con in New Jersey. So definitely come find me. I'll be around the whole weekend, and I'm really looking forward to it. So I hope to see you all there. And if not, I'll see you next week.